Hello, everybody, and welcome to BitFaced. This is Tyler, Run TRG Glaze. Eric Hollis and I are coming to you after our first convention, Cosmic Con, here in Colorado Springs with Big Show Entertainment Network. They were kind enough to get us passes and bring us along. And let me just tell you, we loved it. It was a, a huge amount of fun. And, and what, what did you think, Eric? I'm so proud of you right now that you got through that entire intro. I, I'm almost in tears. I believe it. <laughs> Sometimes I can uh, I can manage this whole podcast thing. Let's let's talk about how you managed the whole podcast thing on Saturday. And I don't mean as an engineer and as my Scotty and as my chairman of the soundboards. I mean as a person. How, how did you feel, Tyler? And you can answer this question or not, but how buzzed were you when we showed up there? Because I I was sober the entire day i was not sober (laughs) the entire day i think people loved drunk tyler and i hate to i hate to say this but maybe drunk tyler is kind of your new persona i think it fits you well i'm drunk trg (laughs) maybe you can be drunk trg but we had a blast at cosmic con that's the most fun i've had in a in a long time we made some new friends we told some, I think some, we told some good jokes, maybe. I think so too. And here's kind of the deal, since you guys are listening to this right now, we're going to put up a great artist who did There's a Zombie in the Basement. His name is Stan Yan, wonderful guy, tons of fun to talk to, does zombie catchers. Hopefully we can get a bit-faced zombie catcher kind of banner. Stan's book looked Amazing. And I know you're getting it for Titus, your son. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the, the new bit face drinking game, every time Tyler says, absolutely, you have to drink, but Stan, not only a very inspired artist, but such a great guy to talk to. As soon as the words, uh, weird owl came out of his mouth, I knew Stan and I were, uh, we're brothers at that point. And yeah, I don't want to spoil anything from this interview. This was an unexpected interview too, which not scheduled, just something that showed up on BitFaced lap. Yeah. It was our first interview. It was probably right around 11 or so. And I was already three whiskey Cokes in. <laughs> so... You were, and Stan wanted to go get coffee before he talked to us, and I think he talked to us for a good, at least an hour, right? Yeah, I think it was right around an hour and 12. Uh, But anyways, after Stan Yan, we've got a lot of great stuff that we've recorded, and we don't really know the order that we're going to bring everything to you, because we've got so much material right now. Basically, it's going to go this that you're listening to, Stan Yan, in just a few moments, And then we're going to bring you Daniel Page, just because that's a little time sensitive. We're recording that, and that'll come out. You can listen to us on Friday. Actually, since it's Skype, we won't be live on that We won't be live, Tyler. You you were ready to go right into that. Hey, we're going to be live, but no, Daniel will not be live. I wish Daniel was here with us in the cave on Friday, but she will not be. That's okay. I can't wait to record with her, though, and, and talk to her about this. But we really do, to your point, have at least two more, one, two more episodes that we're very proud of. 
and maybe a couple surprises here in the bit future. But Stan was, I don't know, phenomenal to talk to. So many great stories, such a great sense of humor, and his art. Uh, I got to look at a lot of it on Saturday. It's it's original. It's, uh, I mean, it's his flavor. Stan Yan, man. I mean, come on. I can't wait to have Stan over here. I hope he comes, I hope he comes to hang out with us. I hope he comes to hang out with us, too. And you know what? Before we say too much, I think that's a good place to just let you guys jump into it. Yeah, let's... Uh, uh... <laughs> this is why I didn't want to record this tonight. Bitface intro, go. First world problems. <laughs> I know it is a first world problem because I, I I like subscribe to it. My wife watches all the time, but I never have time because it's like you know I'm a, f- a full time freelance artist, and so if I sit there and and watch it, I'm not making money. I might be enjoying myself, but you know what I do for a living, I enjoy and I make money. And, so so this is like That's... one time that I could actually watch Netflix and do something else at the same time. What were you gonna watch? What were you anticipating watching? I don't know because I you couldn't I, even get the list to come up. Well, actually, I, I think I was I was thinking about starting the uh, what are the Stranger Things or yeah. It's a good choice. Yeah, it's a good choice if uh, if you if you're into the uh, the '80s sci-fi, uh-huh. it's a nice love letter to Spielberg and John Carpenter. It's good stuff. John Carpenter is one of my favorites. Hey. Well, you know, I was a big fan of Winona Riders from Heather's. So that was like one selling, and and from Beetlejuice. So Tell Jay. that was a selling point. But there, there's just was too many memes online that like reference Stranger Things, and I'm like, okay, everyone loves it, and I don't understand any of these memes. So. <laughs> you guys are gonna want to go straight into the mic, kind of like this. Yep. Oh yeah. As we're trying to, yeah. Hey, what's up? Wow, that's loud. Stan Yen. I I am loud. No, no, no. no, You're fine. My mic is loud. I can turn it down. Like, it's not loud in in my headphones. How does it sound right now? Uh, sounds kind of romantic to me. I mean, everyone else is actually louder than me. Scoot your mic closer. Yeah, go go right into the mic like this. Mm. Yep. Okay. (laughs) Here, let me scoot my chair up because you can move the. This comes out, man. There you go. Because my back already hurts. Turn the turn the chair. Set it up however you need, man. Okay, I'm good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Stan Yan, the man. Yes. That is me. Are we live? We're live. Okay. So this is the way to bring in the show? No, real, no. Real I'll casual <laughs> like this. Yeah. You know what? You're starting the show. We're live just now. Real casual. This. That's right. This is Bitface. Yeah, we're, 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 we're starting here. We are down at Cosmicon. Bitface here. First person to walk up to talk to us today. Artist, there's a zombie in my basement. Stan, the man, Yan, tell us about there's a zombie. Uh, so uh, if you looked on the other side of the business card that I handed you, um, I am the guy that draws you as a zombie. I do zombicatures. And uh, 
So, and I've been doing this for about 10 years. And so, so my version of bit face is completely different than yours. <laughs> do you think, uh, do you think Tyler as a zombie would actually look better? Uh, actually, I, you know, it, it's based on, on request. You know, when I first started doing these, um, it was, it was my way of doing caricatures without worrying about people like being upset that they didn't look better, uh, the way I drew them. I mean, they're zombie. Yeah, so I, they expect to look heinous, but you know, about a year in, I had my first person that wanted to be, you know, a good-looking zombie. They're like, can you make me a sexy zombie? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. So I do have different types of zombies you can be, and um, so yeah, if you wanted to be a sexy zombie, I certainly could draw you. You know, I, I could draw like uh, Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas's body underneath you. You know, I don't know if that would be really a, a good-looking zombie necessarily or not. But <laughs> it might. And hey, we kind There's of need for everything. we need a secondary banner, and we want to be sexy zombies. Eric and I both. <laughs> can you can you hook us up? Oh yeah, yeah. Just you know, message me afterwards. I'll I'll give you a quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So you've been doing this for ten years. Where was your first exposure to zombies? Where does this all come um, from? Well, my first exposure to zombies, gosh, I don't even remember. I mean, the thing that really kind of uh, um, got me really interested in the whole zombie genre was actually uh, Resident Evil 2, the video game for PlayStation 2. Um, I just saw they, they had a great commercial, and I saw that scene of the zombies like coming through the, uh, the subway cars, and that just, like, I don't know, it, it just got me in in some place in my brain i'm like wow that is cool so the next thing i know on christmas that year my wife had actually bought me a playstation 2 just so i could play you know resident evil 2 and that was the beginning of my love affair with blasting zombies with a shotgun or whatever you know is this the woman that you're married to yes yes so are, are you saying that, that, that gaming has kind of kind of brought you together maybe a little bit yeah i mean the funny thing is she was never really uh, you know into video games and i wasn't a huge video gamer i mean last time i played video games seriously was on uh, atari 2600 and commodore 64 you know and then after that, you know, I had all sorts of other interests and career aspirations and whatnot. And uh, so that was, I don't know, maybe that was like a real bonding moment. I mean, we, she was already married to me, so it wasn't like that was the way she was going to get me to marry her or anything like that. It's always <laughs> nice, though, like a, a gesture like that, especially since you mentioned it now. Obviously, you remember it, so it had some impact on, yeah, on you well, at the time. I mean, my, my whole, you know, art career has kind of evolved uh, around the zombie genre. So um, she has a lot to do with it, whether she likes it or not. I mean, I know that a lot of the early uh, celebrity zombies that I had been drawing and, and posting up on my studio walls weren't things that she was necessarily a big fan of. It, w it was one of those things that she p supported me, but it was also kind of every time I'd show her a new one... She, I, she was rolling her eyes at me as well especially when i was doing ones that yeah. maybe didn't agree with her uh like i, I did a, a zombified version of the last supper and uh <laughs> i would love to see that is that yeah. on your website it is on my yeah, website yeah. Check that can, one out. can we put that up in the bit cave <laughs> are you uh, are you linked to his site definitely get a link up there because i want people to be able to look at uh yeah. look at your and it's, it's not so what everyone expects because like you know with 
kind of an old joke now is you know Jesus is the original zombie. This was actually a pinup art that I did uh, for um, a comic book uh, by Stephen Lindsay called Jesus Hates Zombies. So it's a story about how the uh, second coming of Christ happens because of the zombie apocalypse. And uh, and so I very interesting. So it's it's I set up the the Last Supper and and all the characters are exactly in the poses that the disciples are. But they're all zombies that are trying to attack him, or they're they're disciples that are getting attacked by the zombies. And Jesus has got like a Rambo style uh, bandana around his forehead, and he's blasting the zombies with guns. <laughs> I would yeah. I would love to see that. Tyler, Definitely. find a link and get that up somewhere for us, please. Definitely Dude, I'm gonna get out. you guys up real quick. Like, okay, that's the whole Excellent. reason. Like, I'm not like chatting my ass off because I'm here. Oh, you're looking for it? To huh? fucking, I'm posting up stuff. We just, like to make just sure. Go to, yeah. go to zombicatures.com. And then click on the Zombicatures link, and that'll that's the quickest way to get there. Sounds good, dude. And then all, all of my prints are at the top. But anyway, so the, the fact that all of these uh, zombie characters are, are posted in my basement studio was actually the inspiration for my children's book, There's a Zombie in the Basement. Okay. Because um, my son, when he was about, uh, just before he turned four, all of a sudden, he wouldn't come down to the basement one day. And, and uh, my, my wife, who was bringing down a basket of laundry because our, our laundry room is down there as well, she's like, what's wrong? And he said, I'm scared. She said, what are you scared of? And he started pointing at all of my zombie artwork. And, and I got that, you know, I told you so look from my wife because she had been trying to get me to take down my zombie artwork and put up more kid-friendly stuff ever since she was pregnant with him. And I, I didn't really, you know, say no, but I just didn't do it, you know. And <laughs> in my mind, I, I was he like, you know, words. the more, the more, uh, you know, he's exposed to scary stuff, the more desensitized he's going to be. And, and, you know, most of the kids that, that um, you know, grew up around scary stuff, you know, kids of, of parents that ran haunted houses and they... You know, made animatronic, uh, you know, haunted house things. They're like the most well-adjusted kids I know, and so I, I figured that this was going to be, you know, one of these things. And, and I even, I even told my wife that much. Uh, but this, this moment actually was uh, uh, the moment that uh, I was proven wrong. <laughs> But this this inspiration actually immediately gave me the inspiration to write this book, and I, I literally wrote this in an hour. And wow. how hard is it to write something that rhymes in an hour? Because it, 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 it is a rhyming book, correct? Yes, you yes. write in verse. Yeah, that's, well, that's impressive. I, I grew up being extremely inspired by Dr. Seuss. I mean, that that was always something. Dr. Seuss is and I, I always, and Weird Al as well as I got a little bit older. And so all I did growing up was like, you know, make up new lyrics to songs and things like that. So I was always rhyming. Where do you start with, with Al? You have to, we, have to, we have to take a pause here with Weird Al because I am a big Weird Al fan myself. Where does that come into your life? Um, At the beginning? Uh, Dr. Demento. Oh wow! I was nice. listening to Doctor Demento on Q one hundred three radio in Denver when I was, gosh, I must have been about nine or ten years old or something like that. So, I was listening to you know Weird Al, uh, 
you know, a bunch of other guys like, uh, you know, dead puppies and <laughs> all sorts of weird. I mean, that stuff, you know, parodies were my thing. I love that kind of stuff. And so for me, uh, my son and I always play game, rhyming games as well. So it's, it's, it was, it's not really difficult for me to come up with rhyme. I mean, I'm not going to be, you know, one of the rappers on 8 Mile going up against Eminem or anything like that. You're reading uh, my mind over here because my next question was, do you freestyle <laughs> rap yeah, at all? Say, Absolutely uh, not. Can you? <laughs> Eminem might For need the a live couple cast. bars, man. My, my sense of rhythm uh, extends to dancing, but not to actually singing or rapping or anything like that. You know. So, um, Although I have thought that if I was a rapper, my rapper name would be Yellow Snow just because of my Asian wow. descent. So. <laughs> That's oh, man. And and just, you know, the parody of dogs peeing in snow and snow. If stuff you like haven't that, so. trademarked that yet, you need to get on it, dude, because some, some other Asian's going to take that. You know <laughs> that, right? It's probably already gone. <laughs> That's worth checking into at least at a minimum. Yeah, maybe. You know Not what? that I'm going to do anything with it, but I'll just, like, squat on it until the, the next real good Asian rapper wants to buy that. Then they're going to have to pay me a pretty penny for it, you know. Hey, yeah. So. Uh, Eminem founded the guy named Yellow Wolf, right? So, oh, did he? Yellow Snow might oh. be next. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just got to hit up Eminem. It's, it's going to be, of uh, you know, it's going to be like a geek core uh, rapper. You know, oh, it can't not be. You know, right? That's a, that's a new genre. I'm going to have to look up on uh, the old music channels. Really? Have you yeah. not? Have geek you not core? experienced any of that? No, I oh, have not. I have not yes. experienced. You geek have core. to. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, hook me up. I gotta. Yeah. I don't have my phone on me, but I mean those those are probably like some of the most uh, uh, you know financially well off musicians that don't have major record deals. You know, is the, is the because geek core artist. because they go to all the the conventions and perform there. You know, so okay. they're in demand. Yeah. I definitely got to check this out. It's, uh, uh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty well versed in a lot of different musical styles, but uh, I, I can honestly say I've never heard anything in the geek core genre whatsoever so i'm definitely nerd core geek core yeah i uh i I've, I've dabbled in it a little bit it's pretty cool it's 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 definitely different i'll tell you that much and, and different in a good way not different like country so it's oh yeah country's <laughs> terrible i mean that's 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 a genre we can all do without to be completely honest but uh I mean, I'm I'm kind of curious, you know. Well, because we're already all depressed enough, rap or something. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't need my dog dying and coming back. And, and I mean, we already had, you know, you know, Morrissey and you know, the, the Smiths, <laughs> hey. and the Cure. I mean, actually, the the funny thing is, like the screamo that is now the the supposedly depressing rock is so um, hey upbeat compared to it's the, so good though. Uh, compared to the the music that you know i grew up well i don't know if it, i was in college when you know you had your uh you know gothic and grunge and whatever you know sam that depends it may sound upbeat but like when the lyrics are like i want to kill myself because life sucks am i, am I not well, as upbeat I mean, as you think it is yeah i mean the you, if you listen to lyrics but as i had already told you I never know what lyrics are to songs. That's why I always made up my own. <laughs> is there an element? Is is the book comedy based, or is it more of a horror story? Um, I always try to uh, write horror, and then it devolves into comedy. So, like one of the things you get when you um, get a zombie caricature from me, you get a free copy of a comic book called uh, Vincent Price Presents uh, Zombicatures, which I wrote and illustrated, which is 
it, it's more of a comedy than it is is a horror. <laughs> Did you have to get Vincent Price's permission to put his name on the book? Uh, yeah. Well, so not not him. He's not alive anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, right. His. Well, you know, I suppose we could have a seance or something like that and try to get his permission. No, I'm next down to far. Next up, so a bit faced. For, for all intents and purposes, it, it is a self-published book, but it is officially published through uh, Blue Water Productions, which turned into Storm Comics. And they actually have the license. So uh, a while back, uh, one of my friends, uh, Dan Crozier, had been illustrating a lot of books for them. And he made, put a call out there to ask if you know anyone had anything that uh, is a good one-shot story for you know Vincent Price Presents because you know, he had a connection with them. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, I've been meaning to do the, I was originally going to do the story and, and draw it as a 24-hour comic because I wanted something that um, had to do with zombies because up until then, the zombie character thing was, like, gaining all this traction. I was making more money than ever at comic book conventions, but I was selling fewer and fewer of my books, which were more slice-of-life books, you know, that had nothing to do with zombies, really. So I'm like, okay, this is my big opportunity. And then, and then he put this call out, so I'm like, all right, I'll send him the script and see what he thinks. And uh, he liked it. He forwarded it on to uh, Darren at uh, Blue Water, and he liked it. So uh, Dan actually drew the first edition of uh, Vincent Price Presents Zombicatures, which at that time was just uh, issue number 33. And, uh, and then a couple of years later, after me giving away these books, I kind of felt... A little bit weird giving people something that uh, I didn't draw after I drew them, you know. And so he, uh, with his permission, with permission of Blue Hour Productions, um, I started uh, kickstarting an edition of the book that uh, I actually drew, and where my backers got to get drawn into the book. Um, That's awesome. My my top uh, incentive level was to be the villain in the book. So he ends up on the back cover, and I get got to draw him like twenty four different times in the book and everything nice. like that. So, <laughs> so do you strictly draw? You said you did some slice of life stuff. Do you strictly do zombies now? Is is there that much of a demand um, for it that you you can't stop drawing zombies? It's it's my way of trying to take my my zombie fan base and uh, um, try to bring back my my. A fan base for my writing you know because a lot of the people that were fans of uh the book that i did before um they kind of went away once i got too busy to continue drawing that series because for a while there i was teaching uh comics at the community college of aurora and uh, i was also i was helping to develop a graphic storytelling uh, degree program there and then um i was also teaching summer camps all summer long uh, comics and cartooning um, and so I had you know no time you know between my convention travels and that I had no time to actually draw any of my own projects anymore and so uh, after about three years of considering going on hiatus from teaching I finally did did go on a sabbatical because I, I, I saw my bank account still going down even though I was working harder than ever. And I'm like, you know what? I bet it's because of teaching. And I love teaching. But um, now, that, now that I've got this children's book out there, uh, I can still use my experience in teaching to you know, go 
do readings, and then I'll actually teach a monster drawing workshop when I go to schools and libraries and bookstores and things like that. So. Can you teach anybody how to draw? Are there people like myself that have no hope? Well, oh, I God. can give you, like, <laughs> tips, you know. I mean, I, I can teach a whole semester, 15-week semester course on comics, but I'm only giving you the tip of the iceberg because I always tell people that, that drawing is, is uh, a lot like athletics. It's about... Um, muscle memory you're teaching your hand to do what your brain wants it to do and the more you do it the closer your brain and hand get to being on the same page but you know even when i'm 90 years old my my brain and hand won't be on the same page they'll be closer than ever uh, assuming that i don't have parkinson's or arthritis or something like that and my hand shaking all over the place which it probably will but that, that was another reason that i had to like go on a, a sabbatical from teaching because I was like, you know, do I want to be working a, a birthday party uh, when I'm 75 years old to make a couple hundred bucks? You know, I, I need to have something that is going to provide me with some sort of, a, you know, maybe a, a royalty payments or annuity. I mean, I, I know that like publishing a book is it's like winning the lotto to have something that even goes into its second printing, let alone is you know providing you with uh, royalties on an ongoing basis into your old age, but if you don't have anything or nothing new, there's zero percent chance that's going to happen, right? <laughs> Are you planning on doing more children's books? Is that did you really enjoy the the process, or was it like, oh hey, yeah, I did I the mean, children's book and I'm done? For years and years, uh, my my relatives have badgered me too because most of my books had been. Um, Kind of more inspired by underground and alternative artists from the 1960s and 70s, you know. My my uh, kind of my signature book um, as I started self-publishing was a book called The Wang, and the first book actually had a picture of a vibrator on the cover of. It. <laughs> as soon as you said The Wang, Jay, uh, yeah, Jay couldn't yeah. help himself over yeah, here. I, was, so. I, was, I mean, yeah, I was trying to keep a straight face. But it, it is. It. it is all you know. A lot of penis jokes and and toilet humor. I mean, it comes very naturally to me. But when when my my son was born, um, he actually I, it it was a little bit of a fearful situation because I was like, uh oh, here goes all of my um, you know all my time to create out the window. Because I, I looked at a lot of my friends, like uh, my friend Robert Elrod, when his kids were born, he actually just stopped drawing altogether for like 20 years or something like that. Wow. I'm like, I hope this doesn't happen to me. But the funny thing was just the opposite happened. Uh, when he was born, he inspired me so much that um, all sorts of, of kids' stories started coming out of me. So while this may be my last picture book that i ever create right now where we are at in our father-son relationship is i've been reading him uh, a lot of middle grade novels and uh, middle grade graphic novels like jedi academy uh that we both enjoy equally you know i mean he's not at that reading level yet so i've got to read them to him and i'm happy to because they, you know, the character relationships stimulate me on a um, intellectual level. Similarly 
to how they, you know, appeal to I'm about him. I say you're getting, you guys are both really getting a lot out of it. You're getting father right. son time out of it. Yes. You're enjoying the stories again, and he's yes. getting to enjoy the stories for the first time, which has to excite you. Yes, yes. And, and you know, the thing is, is, so the ideas that I'm coming up with involve the monsters in this book. So even though this book is called There's a Monster in the Basement, and I, I should probably pass this around so you guys can oh, definitely. Take, a look at it. take a look at this but I mean, uh, the it's, it's actually it's, it's a story about a, a kid who won't go to sleep because of uh, of his escalating imaginary fears and so i've just kind of pour all these different monsters in there and they get more and more ridiculous as you go on through the, the book so that Eventually, he's afraid of uh, what looks like a My Little Pony riding on a French mime's shoulders. Uh, I mean, that's how ridiculous they get. But that's what the whole story is about, is just trying to teach kids that most of what you're afraid of is completely in your imagination. And so there's even a page at the very end where it says, what are you afraid of it? Draw a picture of it here. Because I feel like a lot of what we're afraid of as people are what... Is, we don't know is the unknown i mean this election probably proves that to most people more than anything else is like let's just make people scared of stuff that they don't know about because they don't know any better and that's true why shouldn't we be afraid of things that we don't know about but instead of going out and knowing about it you know we're being told you know what to be afraid of instead of discovering that on our own you know so so this is you know if they get to draw a picture of a monster they're afraid of then it becomes just that much less mysterious to them and so i'm happy to say my son is not afraid of my artwork anymore in fact he's drawing his own zombie comics now and he's been selling them at my table at the denver comic con and at the denver county fair so he's officially a professional comic artist and so if things don't really work out for me, I, I'm planning on riding his coattails. Or at the very least, I'm training my illegal, uh, you know, uh, underage labor squad here. <laughs> Do I, uh, I, I got a, a chance to kind of scan through the art a little bit. Do I detect a little bit of Mad Magazine influence uh, there? Maybe. I don't, I you don't have know, a very I, original style, oh, and you. I was trying to put... I, I am a caricature artist, so maybe that's a little bit of what you're seeing in there, although... I feel like the artwork in there is a lot further removed from... That. I mean, I have so many different influences, but I've always felt like my artwork isn't uh, derivative of things. You know, people tell me, your artwork looks like this, your artwork looks like that, and I'm like, who is that? I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's kind of good, because if I can establish my own brand, then I, I'm not like someone that they're going to hire to do a style because i'm cheaper than the original artist you know so no, I, I don't think anyone would ever a- accuse you of, of copying <laughs> from anybody this this looks amazing someday people might say hey man your art looks a lot like stan yeah i mean my my own <laughs> quote that i like goal, right? to use uh is you know if dr seuss and and uh tim burton got together to write a children's book this is what i think it would be and i don't really know if you know, it reminds anyone that of that or not, but uh, there's a. I would definitely say that uh, it it kind of has that flavor to it. I mean, I scrolled through, read a couple of pages and whatnot. The artwork is fantastic. I mean, I can barely draw a stick figure. So <laughs> going through and looking at something like that, uh, I'm blown away. And, oh, and the story you. that's going on in this book is is absolutely fantastic. 
Uh, actually, I will probably end up buying one of those oh, and awesome. giving Thank it you. to uh, give it to my kids. My daughter loves zombies. She is a zombie fanatic. <laughs> uh, we will sit down and play Call of Duty Zombies for hours on end. Uh, just because of, of her love for him. She's got her room decorated in zombies, oh, which is very oddball for a girl, especially an 11-year-old girl at that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, well, uh, I've got definitely, definitely take a look. confidence in, in the story that um, I, I want people to read my book. You know you know how you go to you know bookstores and they say, this isn't a library, this is a bookstore, they don't want you to you know, open in their books. I want people to read my book. So what I'm actually... Uh, doing a promotion at my table um, so if if uh, people get a free copy of my trick-or-treat comic book which is um, something I'm giving away at, at uh, my house for Halloween instead of candy wow and uh, and are, I, I wanted to live? do this for many <laughs> years but so I'm, I'm doing this at events that I'm at in um, uh, in October as well so, but but in order for them to get the free comic, they have to read. There's a zombie in the basement, and it's worked. I, I've already sold a, a whole bunch of books before I even came to sit down here. <laughs> so that's awesome. And can people buy the book on your website? Yeah, like yeah. If people aren't here. We have a lot yeah. of listeners that don't live in Colorado Springs. Right. So so you you can go to there's a zombie in the basement dot com, um, and uh, I would encourage any of you that have read the book already or are buying a copy of the book to. Uh, review the book on Amazon if you could. That'll help me, you know, because apparently I learned there's also an algorithm on uh, Amazon that, you know, when you go and buy stuff, it says you might also like this or whatever. People that like this bought this or whatever. And uh, if if you get like a certain a number of uh, reviews, then your product will show up more often. Um, in those, I'll write your things, so. <laughs> I, 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 I dabble right. a little bit in writing. We've got no problem helping you. Out okay, because cool. I, I think Thank the you. book's awesome. Tyler actually has. In fact, I was going to say I've got two questions. Yes. First yes. off, I need to pick up one of those here locally. Where can I do that? Uh, you can do it at Escape Velocity. They have copies of this book, unless they're already okay. sold out. <laughs> Both locations. Um. I'm not sure. I know okay. for sure they had it at the uh, the one by the movie theater. Perfect. That's the one we go to. Okay. And two, I noticed your copy here. You don't have what are you afraid of drawn in. So what are you afraid of standing in? Um, well, so this was the story. I, I was afraid of drawing uh, caricatures. And so it took me decades to try doing caricatures of people just because of a bad experience at Casa Bonita when I was seven years old. Casa Bonita. <laughs> was oh, was the experience with the food? Um, surprisingly, no. Uh, it was actually... That's very surprising. Um, Did you cut me off? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm turning it down a little bit, down. sorry. Oh, oh okay. I'm too loud, aren't I? I think No, no, you're fine. You're I think fine. a couple of people are too loud just based on one of our listeners, so I'm trying to... Oh, okay. Oh, but yeah, because this is live. I forgot this is yeah, live. Yeah, this Keep is talking. Live. Yeah, I was going to say, you're live, yo. So but this will also go up later, too, as an episode. Okay, we'll, excellent. We'll, we, we cut and chop these, uh, these events up, so yeah. So, you get two chances to listen to it, since obviously you can't listen to it now. Well, I am kind of listening to it. You yeah, know. I, guess you, I guess you are. This is, this is like the... Uh, unedited director's cut right here <laughs> yeah that's how, that's how we prefer to do the streams is uh people that listen live they get a not a different show they just get a lot more <laughs> so anyway just getting back to to casa bonita here so my my aunt was uh or i was about seven when my aunt got married and of course uh 
So she she decided that she and her new husband were going to come out to Colorado for their honeymoon. And, of course, you know, when you got out-of-town guests, you got to take them to Casa Bonita, right? Right. And uh, so they, they bought us all caricatures. Uh, for those of you that haven't watched South Park or aren't familiar with this, Casa Bonita is a horrible, horrible... And I, you can't see the air quotes. I'm going to say Mexican restaurant. Yeah, I think. Uh, and but, it, but it's kind of like a. It's it's more of a theme park because yeah. they've got like puppet shows and cliff divers and and things like that. So they they have a caricature artist there. That before you leave the restaurant, you can get your caricature drawn. And so she bought us all caricatures. And uh, even at seven years old, I I had been watching caricature artists very carefully whenever I'd gone to theme park or whatever. And I knew that character artists had, you know, these shortcuts, stylizations. So if they didn't know how to draw your nose, they drew everyone's nose the same way or whatever. And so this particular character artist drew everyone with their eyes touching in the middle. And it's hilarious if you draw everyone with buck teeth. So if any of you out there are aspiring character artists, I've got uh, a helpful tip. Don't draw Asian people with buck teeth if you know what's good for you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so my aunt was livid. I mean, of course, I don't, I don't think she said it right to the character artist's face, but when we got home, she was upset about her character and, and all of our characters. And my uncle, who's not Asian, was kind of defending the artist. I thought they were going to get divorced on their honeymoon, you know? And so, so for years and years of my life, I, I thought I had the capability of doing characters, but never the desire because of that seminal moment. And uh, because I was like, you know, do I want to go through this in order to make 10 or 15 bucks? And uh, so, you know, about 10 years, a little bit more than 10 years ago, um, my comic group and I were exhibiting at the uh, Opus Fantasy Arts Festival. And they... Um, uh, one of my friends was doing fantasy characters on an easel. He, he worked at Elitch's doing characters at the time. And he um, unfortunately got arrested for public intoxication on Saturday night. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so no one was working the easel on Sunday. And I was like, you know, it's a shame no one was working the easel. Why don't I give it a shot? Why but I need to have... Why did everyone look over at me when he said that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought we had a moment. I mean... <laughs> It's probably going to be both. Oh, of us is at this it? Point. Is this also like a, a story that? Uh, is this, this is going to be another episode. You guys are going to have to like tell us about your experiences. <laughs> <laughs> no experiences yet. Okay. The, oh, but this the is a day plan. Is still young. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, there there is like probably a bar in this this hotel, right? Actually, yeah. Hey, <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, you're starting. Oh, okay. I'm sitting in a drunk sandwich over here, <laughs> Stan. Like this is this is what I deal with, and that's why everyone looked at you because if anyone here was not going to show up today on account of being drunk, it was you, dude. <laughs> I still would have showed up even if hey, I was drunk. So, Eric, try man. to think about last night. It's because totally a if commitment. you can't. I'll tell you what, it wasn't me, yo. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not. I'm not drinking yet, though. So yet. Being the keyword, being the keyword. So anyway, just uh, I, I needed samples of my artwork because all the ones were his. So I started drawing people that were at uh, you know my booth mates, and, but I I started drawing them all zombies because you know it's it's a lot of pressure off of me. You know people expect to look heinous. They they won't expect to be drawn looking good, and. Uh, 
fortunately for me, it, it really took off. I mean, there were a couple events where I, I didn't get a whole lot, but they were small events anyway. And then I took this to the New York Comic Con, and I could not draw them fast enough. Wow. Yeah. Was and that the most recent con, or was no, this a no, couple no. Years this back? was this was in two thousand and six. Oh, so you, you, again, you said you've been doing this for ten yeah. years. That makes sense. Yeah. And and then I, I was like, well, maybe it, it's just a New York thing because I, I had a lot of good luck in um, selling uh, books and merch uh, in New York at events that I had been at before. And then I, I came back, and the next con that I did was uh, Starfest, and it did well there too. I, and not, not, yeah, I didn't realize that Horror Fest was kind of a part of Starfest at that time. So it was just like, wow, these science fiction people love zombies too. <laughs> but, um, but so yeah, and the, and the rest is history, and it's just continued to grow. And that's this a lot of before... foresight on your part too to start in two thousand six. Because when did the big when did Walking Dead hit TV? I'd say um, that's when zombies really started. Well, the, well, the book, the book, you know, the comic book started a couple of years before I started doing zombie characters. Um, but I, you know, so it, so it was, yeah, it was after that. I'm not exactly sure what what season are we on? The season six or seven six, coming I think. up? Because I would been, say even like six hundred. Four years ago, five years ago, I mean, the comic book was out there. I think a lot of people were introduced to the Walking Dead when the video game won Game of the Year on uh, oh, Spike yeah. TV. I know that's how I was introduced to the, okay. to the Walking Dead was through the game. I, I actually started following the comic book as soon as it came out. And uh, this was because I, I was already a big fan of Robert Kirkman, believe it or not, because I, back in 98, that was my first trip to the San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, I was there just for one day on Saturday with a backpack full of my self-published comic, which was a predecessor to the Wang. <laughs> It was called. Uh, is the uh, Wang still available? Uh, yes, it is actually. I, I uh, that's right up my alley. I guess okay. I know what we're going to be doing here shortly. <laughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> oh, the the free uh, trick or treat comic. Oh, this one, yes. Do you uh, do you need me to sign a copy of it or something? Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> but anyway, um, so. So I was just trading books with uh, any creator that would in the small press and independent press area. And he happened to be uh, have a booth called Funkatron that was, I think, his own imprint with um, Tony Moore, who was the original artist on The Walking Dead. And at that time, they were working on a book called um, uh, Battle Pope. And he traded me the first trade paperback for my saddle-stitched 32-page comic. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Read it, and it was awesome. The artwork, of course, I, I'm a big fan of Tony Moore's artwork, was phenomenal. And it was irreverent, as, as you can imagine, based on the title. Yeah. It had zombies in it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, the book that's right up my alley. That book and The Pro, those were, like, books that really resonated with me at the time. And uh, that was, like, kind of what I wanted to write, you know. And um, so I was like, whatever they come out with next, I'm totally checking it out. I'll give it a shot. And the next thing they came out with was The Walking Dead. And I read issue one, and I'm like, it's pretty good, you know. I mean, it, it kind of had the, a similar uh, storyline to 28 Days Later. Um, but, there, you know, who knows which really came first, you know. Who, who, which was conceived first 
So I th- this was and I hate serialized comics. I never ever got into uh, a, a you know serialized superhero comics or anything. But uh, this, so this was actually the first book that I had a comic book store put in a hold slot for me. But it had to be trade paperback because I can't stand just only reading twenty four to thirty two pages of something. I'm the same way. It's, I like it's the, not like enough story to either make me go back and find the back issues or say yes, I'm going to go and you know buy this going forward. But uh, but so he's he's really the one that writes the books that I have in my hold slot. So Outcast is another one that I'm subscribing to right now as well. And that Do you still have your number one uh, Outcast of Walking Dead. Um, I probably gave it away actually. And you know, it's, and you know it's worth a, it, a couple probably, bucks now. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm Maybe I'm also someone that yeah. hates collecting stuff too. Do you so you don't like serialized superhero comics and you don't like collecting stuff? No. Yet you're an artist. <laughs> yes, that's yes. shocking to me. Yes, the only things that I keep are things that I feel like I might go back and reference, like artwork, because it really inspires me. Which is one of the reasons I love Outcast because of the way the colorist works on that, which I think is the artist as well. You know. Um, but I, I love how they do backgrounds and, and just the limited color palettes and everything. So, and then plus, it's actually one of the few books that I think addresses what I'm trying to do. Because on my bucket list, before I die, I want to actually write and illustrate a comic that actually scares me. Because I feel like comics are a poor um, genre for horror, as far as actually being scary. Because there's either too much information because like when i'm reading a, a scary novel my my imagination my visual imagination does all the heavy lifting and i i scare myself more than anything else and then when you're watching a movie well you have to sit there and watch the movie at the pace that they edited it and you've got audio and everything to you know help with the jump scares and whatnot uh, comics either have too much visual information where it's just like oh i would have imagined that scarier than you drew it or you know or not enough because you don't have audio and you can't force people to read a comic book at the pace that you want them to read it at, you know. I was about to say, I mean, one of the only ways probably to do a scare in a comic book is to have something happen at the bottom of one page and then when you turn the page, right. something really heinous. Is that the only way it's done? Well, I think that the the constraints that old movie makers had where they had to do things off panel so you're just watching people react to what was really scary because they didn't have the special effects abilities or the budget to do what they really wanted to do and then that made it scarier because you in your imagination are like oh my gosh it must be really scary look how scared the actor looks you know that may be kind of how you have to approach it so i'm thinking if i can come up with a good scary script you know a concept if i approach it more that way whereas a lot of artists like i want to draw the monster you know because i'm an artist and i have the capability of doing this um but i think that actually is the wrong thing to do you know maybe at the very end you reveal the monster or something like that i was gonna say instead of jump scares you're you're looking more for this like impending sense of dread like yeah you know all this horrible stuff is happening and make it more of an intellectual or what do do you call that uh uh i forget what they call the um 
it's not an intellectual you're... scare, but no, but yeah. it, uh, it, it's, it's I have an obviously psychological psychological the right horror, word, yeah, yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, I haven't had enough coffee this morning. I've so. only had that much coffee too, and I, I'm I'm feeling it right now after after last. Or maybe maybe we need to be having the booze. Like maybe you and I here. should start drinking. But they're they're not helping me uh, see either. You know, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I, we're doing perfectly yeah, right yeah. now. Well, actually, I'm, when I'm you start drinking, good, you just make up your own vocabulary. You that's know? that's right. Or I've or your own song lyrics. Language. <laughs> you know, your, or your own song lyrics, and you know, we come full circle. <laughs> What's your favorite Weird Al album? Um, I don't know. I mean, 3D was pretty good. I I, I kind of have to. Know. I kind of have to to edge but, toward that. But one for too. me, I mean, I don't even know what's on what album anymore with the advent of of YouTube and and everything. Because well, he just dropped a track yesterday or really? two days ago. Oh, okay, called. Um, it's a reference to the election, hombres, and it was right after. Oh the wow! Debate. Really? Uh, just check it out on. Oh, YouTube. I will have to check that out. I have. N- I'm not aware of it. I mean, White and Nerdy has to be my favorite song and favorite video, though. Did yeah. you get to see him when he was here a couple months? No, back? I didn't even know until he was already here and gone. You know, um, he posted that uh, it's probably going to be the last time he's in Colorado for a while. He alluded to, "Hey, if you've never seen me, come out and see me." I have never seen him before, and I went. And what? What a show. I wish I would have seen him a hundred times before that. Well, since I haven't seen him live, um, dick move. Yeah, total. (laughs) Well, he also said, too, that I guess his last album, that's it. He's doing YouTube videos. He'll release singles. But that was his his last album. He... He's not retiring. He's still going to be Weird Al, obviously, and, yeah. and drop stuff from time to time. But that was the last official yeah. Weird Al album release. So yeah, the the other one that was painful for me not to go to, just because none of my close friends like the band, was uh, uh, Diane Word as well. Because they're breaking up too, aren't they? I don't know, but they uh, and they they came to a nice intimate venue as well. Um, if I if I remember, it was like the Paramount or something like that. It's a great place to see a show. Yeah, but um, but they were kind of an interesting. I mean, they were they're like a car wreck because I didn't know if they were being serious or not, and I think that's a part of the appeal. Is do they know like how wrong they are, or is are, are they serious about what they're doing, or are they do they know? Are they in on the joke kind of thing? You know, I think they're in on the joke, right? <laughs> they they've got to be, maybe I don't know. I but but just thinking that they might not is is part of the appeal. <laughs> well, I'm sad you didn't get to see Weird Al because you want to talk about one of the most amazing. I mean, he does costume changes between every song, <sighs> so it's not you're not just getting uh, you yeah. know him getting up there playing. The hits. I mean, and I, I think a part of it is just that I'm getting old, and I, I hate the whole rigmarole of just going to a concert as is. I mean, I, I'm more if I go to a concert, it's like just a local band at a local venue where I can just buy a ticket at the door, kind of thing, with any without any sort of uh, convenience fee, ticket charge, kind of just that the whole thing that you have to go to and you might have to pay for parking or that's why i love the black sheep here in the springs it's fantastic i don't think i've ever seen a show there it's uh, black sheep yeah 
I'm, I'm just getting old and crotchety, I think. We have to be close to the same age, though, because I, I find as I've gotten older, and Tyler can attest to this, I'm so antisocial now. I mean, I'll come out and do <laughs> stuff like this, but after this, it's like, you know what? I'll be in my room playing video games. Don't uh, don't talk to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm not antisocial. It's just I'm social on my own terms, you know. That's, this is violin music coming that's from. Me. That's that's. Game is it someone's Thrones. phone? I yeah, feel the table buzzing. Yeah, that's that's my phone. That's, wiener, uh, that's, wiener, wiener. Yeah, that's uh, that's my wife calling me. Do you Which want me I'm, to answer it? No, I'm not answering. <laughs> that. Can I answer it? <laughs> Can Tyler answer it? So, I mean, anybody could really answer if they really want to. But I mean, she just maybe the show just needed some mood music. Maybe, or something mood like music. That, yeah, yeah, a little Game of Thrones. I was wondering you were you were kind of going on a, on a speech there, and I was like, wait, Tyler, are you doing music underneath? Talking here. Got to throw in some, uh, uh, some music. I, videos, yeah. It's kind of funny that that happened, though, and you guys were talking about Weird Al, so D- white I mean, nerdy did it sound is my wife's like ringtone for me. I was I doing her. a manifesto or something. I, I was waiting for you to stand up and pull the <laughs> mic out, and I was like, all right, let's, this is entertaining, right? But I, I don't want to damage your equipment, too, because if I was doing that, I would be tempted to do a mic drop, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't they, think these mics have been dropped yet. Yeah, what, 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 I mean, you know, they look kind of durable. I mean, no, once upon a time, Stan, we always said, you know what, mic drop. So it was a funny joke. Everyone's like, yeah, I'll do a mic drop. And then we bought our setup, and we were like, please, don't, please do don't. not <laughs> drop our mics. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does sound nice in theory. But, yeah, once you spend money on a microphone and you're like, well. <laughs> <laughs> and find out actually how much they really cost, right? Yeah, because when we, when we started doing this, it was one Blue Yeti microphone on a box in my bedroom. And so that I mean that that set us back about a hundred bucks. Not a bad investment for, uh-huh. for wanting to start out. Now that we have this set up, we're like, well, you know, yeah. we set it up all the day with the table clamps and everything. You know, had to had it's to look a little fancy, bit more yeah. uh, more professional. Actually, we the, we got all this because we went to do a, a horror movie. Oh, uh, okay, and we were like, well. It's this is time. We can't show up with just a microphone and a laptop right. and say, "Hey, what's up? We're bit faced." So, <laughs> well, you know, and and as you get older in age, you have to you know think about the ergonomic aspects <laughs> of everything. You know. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, do, you do. What are you working on next? Where, I know you're doing caricatures, but yes, yes. Um, so you know, as I'd mentioned, I, I'm working on some middle grade graphic novels featuring these uh, monsters in my book. But actually, my my next immediate uh, uh, book is, is that I've been working on actually since 2009, and, and re- the real reason that I went on uh, teaching sabbatical was um, uh, a memoir comic about my best friend's battle with cancer. So I've oh, been wow. working on that for quite some time, and it, I just I need to get it going. And so my goal is to have like a, a saddle stitched copy of like the first chapter done. Uh, or ready for a printer by the end of the year and then have the complete 100-page graphic novel done by the end of 2017. It sounds like a lot of your writing comes from things that personally happen to you. Yes. Is that the best place to, to come up with these yeah, ideas? Yeah. I mean, no matter how far-fetched my stories are, uh, there's a seed of truth to every storyline. Um, maybe, you know, the characters are all based on someone or an amalgam of of someone that i know or friends of mine or their parents or or whatever that's good to hear and and, and i encourage people you know when i'm teaching classes and things like that that you know even if you're writing a a a science fiction or a fantasy um you know that whole write what you know you know granted well if you're writing speculative fiction well who knows what's going to happen you know 
uh, 2001, a space odyssey didn't happen in 2001. <laughs> it's very true. But, you know, the character development can still happen uh, in a science fiction. So, you, you know, you, you put your character that maybe reacts to how you would react to conflict or whatever into a science fiction. And that's a good place because, uh, you know, no matter what the setting is, you know, if, and I do consider zombies to be more of a setting than to be a genre, to be honest with you. Um, to have a character that people can relate to because of the way they react or what their motivations are is a, is a critical starting point. You know, there are very few stories that, that succeed without something like that. I mean, there are a few that I can think of off the top of my head, the matrix star Wars, you know, but (laughs) when you're teaching people how to draw and about comics, what is the most common question you get from a student? Um, how do I draw a character um, the same way over and over? Or no, actually, yeah, how do I draw cleavage? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Asking the important questions. Right. So no. I, I take it a lot of your students are male? Uh, no, that's actually totally not true. That's, oh, okay. that, that was the answer I wish I had said first, <laughs> which is completely and utterly not true. As long as you got it out there, that's so, the most important yeah, thing. Yeah, how know. do I draw cleavage? <laughs> Just curious. A um, couple lines. Think ah. of this, the peace sign. That is cleavage right there. <laughs> All right. And your cleavage needs to look like a Y and not an X. You know, that's the secret, that's the magic letter Y. I don't think we've ever had art tips on BitFace before, so thank this oh, is the, this you're is very a welcome. First. You're very welcome. So, so if you're trying to draw a cleavage and it looks like the letter X, you've done it wrong. You need to go back and erase a part of it so it looks like the letter Y. And then you've got successful cleavage right there. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing a book about uh, drawing about comics? Cleavage? <laughs> or, <laughs> or, no, <laughs> about cleavage? I thought that's exactly where that, that was going. That could yeah. be my next mini comic because that's really a simple, simple tip. On so much for the cleavage. wang. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, you did, you did the, the wang. wang. This could be the, like, the sequel. Yeah, unfortunately, I, since I'm pushing towards kids' stuff, that might not be a good crossover there. You, you could know? do like a breastfeeding. You just go book. for boys. <laughs> right? yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I know Bendis did a <laughs> Bendis did a book about how to draw yeah. comics and how to visual storytelling. Have you ever actually, thought about going that route? Yeah, I actually drew a mini comic that was called uh, "Making a Mini Comic: The Mini Comic," and it was it was actually a, a textbook for a summer camp that I drew, that I uh, had. So it was like a five day. Uh, camp where all the students made a mini comic uh, on a photocopier and so that's what this comic was about so that was what I handed out on day one but the the problem with that book now is that I changed the way I taught it over the years and so I was like oh I'm going to make a new one and then of course I started teaching um, uh, you know a college you know semester long course out of uh Jessica Abel and Matt Madden's um drawing pictures and writing work uh no writing pictures and drawing words drawing words and writing pictures yeah and it's got to be one of the yeah. two yeah and uh, so I was like I want to I want to kind of combine these and actually make a a workbook so that is something that's on my to-do list is I've got a couple of instructional books one of them is actually uh, a book of comic and drawing games that I want to put together that actually have educational aspects to them. So, you know, the, at the beginning of each 
game it talks about well you know it teaches about uh you know writing and you know these different things that you know our school systems are concerned with and so they they can actually buy a book and say you know hand them off to uh, not only their art teachers, but their language arts teachers and things like that, because they have different aspects to what these things are teaching. Um, and, and just fun things, you know, that uh, parents with kids that like to draw a lot can, you know, have these for game night, you know. I don't, I don't know if people still really do game night, like they advertise on these. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, when but, my family gets together, not not often, but when we all come together normally for for something, there's there, there's games played. But I so. I can't wait until my son is old enough to play games that, you know, and it's again one of these things. Jesus, Jay. Similar, <laughs> similar to, uh, um, you know, why why I want to write middle grade graphic novels that I can bond with with my son, and we've just started. I mean, I. Uh, we got uh, these uh, Rory's Story Cubes, and so my son and I have started using those because, the, you know, before he could read, he could still identify the icon on these cubes, and then we would just roll them out and then make our own stories because it's something that I used to do with him in the car as well where I had to drive him, you know, sometimes an hour out to my out to preschool because it was close to, you know, where my in-laws house was and they would pick him up from preschool and that way I could get work done. And, uh, so we had play this game where he figured out that I could just make up stories out of thin air. So I'm like, okay, give me three characters, settings or objects and I'll make a story out of it. And then we'd take turns and I was like, okay, it's your turn now. Now you got to tell me a story. I'll give you three things that have to be in the story and then, uh, you know, and so these, you know, the Rory Story Cubes is something that we can play together and enjoy equally. But, I mean, really, I'd like to get them to the point where we can play Dungeons and & Dragons and GURPS and stuff like that. How old is your son? <laughs> He's six right now. He's six. So is that why you, is, is, is middle grade, is that like fourth to seventh? What is, what is middle grade considered I think nowadays? technically... I mean, a, a lot of kids will start reading middle grade stuff earlier, but um, like fifth to eighth grade is technically middle grade. Okay. Yeah. And you're gonna and kind of monster books? Are you going all sorts of directions with the with the? Well, novels? that's gonna be my focal point. I mean, my my the the book that I'm uh, writing right now um, is uh, a, is is actually it started off as as my bucket list story. I want to write a comic story that scares me. And I was like, I, I need to make my protagonist a child because there's in a child's mind, there's so much that's, that's more that's actually possible, you know, that, that they haven't already discounted due to their knowledge of science or whatever, you know. And so, uh, so this is a story about a, uh, a kid who uh, has an extremely sense, uh, uh, sensitive sense of smell, but more than that, uh, his sense of smell um, brings back memories to things that you know most of us don't remember, like when he was an infant or a toddler or whatever. And one day, he gets hit in the head by a baseball or a softball, and then from that point on, he starts remembering things that he realizes later are actually past lives. 
and more specifically past lives at the point where he dies every time at, at the point that he dies and he starts to realize that he's dying um, every time on his well I had to change this originally it was his 13th birthday which is always on Halloween which is in two weeks that's awesome and, and so that's the next story that you're doing uh, the well, my next middle grade story. Your next middle yeah. grade story, yeah. okay. And so it, it it really only loosely relates to any of the characters, and there's a zombie in the basement. Um, but there's still connective tissue. There, there, though, there right? is a little bit. I mean, it's it, it's like a um, uh, different, um, you know, uh, maybe different connected universes where. The characters live in both universes, and they're kind of different characters, um, but they kind of share different lives. So, like, his best friend is in in my Salem Charter Academy storyline is actually a fawn. So he's got goat legs and all sorts of things. <laughs> That's awesome, and it sounds like you know. I I imagine as your and son he's actually older, a, a witch in Salem Charter Academy, and the zombie girl in my book is actually a zombie that goes to a school that is founded by witches, but uh, in the spirit of diversity, they've started letting other monsters into the school. <laughs> yeah, no, and as 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 your son gets older too, I imagine your stories are going to change based on. I mean, you're dealing with a six-year-old now. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine what you're going to be inspired when he's 12. I mean, you were yeah. 12 once. You know what it's like. It's well, I mean, just look at Harry Potter, for instance. They get darker and darker. The PG movies became PG-13, and they, they kind of had to because the characters grew up. The audiences that were reading the storyline, well, I don't, I don't know, I want to say grow up because adults have been reading that since it came out, you know? <laughs> So I know you're into zombies, and you mentioned Star Wars earlier. What else fuels your your geek engine? Um, battle bots, definitely, um, and that's something that my son and I bond over. Because to me, that that is like I I really don't like WWE, but it's almost the same as battle bots. But to me, battle bots is real. WWE is fake. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so do you build the actual robots or are you just a fan? I don't. My son does, though. Does he really? Out of Legos. He is he is a Lego master builder. And this is, you know, not me exaggerating. He figures things out with the Legos that he actually has. Um, so he wants a Ghostbuster set. He doesn't get have one yet. So he just makes, um, like, Ecto-1 out of the stuff that he has, and it looks like Ecto-1. He makes uh, a TIE fighter out of the Legos he has. He doesn't have a TIE fighter set. Um, That's makes, impressive, because I can barely follow battle, the directions. He makes battle bots with spinning parts that look like, you know, Tombstone, that look like Witch Doctor. Doesn't have any of these things. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so it sounds like you've kind of passed on your love of creativity to him as well. Yeah, but he's so much better at things that actually move and are three-dimensional. I, you know, if you have me, you know, do something three-dimensional like uh, ceramic, it'll explode in the kiln. Uh, <laughs> if you make me, you know, make 
furniture from Ikea, it'll fall apart. Um, yeah, no. He's, I, I hope he continues down that path. He, because uh, there's a lot of money in robotics. There's not necessarily a lot of money I found in comics, you know, especially when I don't want to play the game and I got to, you know, do my own stories and self-publish and whatnot. I was about to ask you, is everything you do underneath your umbrella all self-published by yourself? Pretty much. I mean, with a few minor exceptions, you know, like I worked on a subculture for uh, Ape Entertainment and later for um, Action Lab. But that's still, you know, really small press. Um, That was me illustrating for Kevin Freeman, who's the writer. Um, And then... You know, I've illustrated some things published by other small publishing houses like Dan Crozier. I did some uh, illustration for him for Show Devils, for Mother Mind Studios, and then, uh, and of course, the Vincent Price stuff that I did for Storm. Um, but for the most part, no matter what I've worked on, I've had to self-promote, um, you know, do a lot of things, uh, Kickstarters, you know, I, the, I, I kick-started this book and, and the last Vincent Price book as well. So. Is that a pretty good avenue for you to get funding? Well, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm not one of those people that can launch a Kickstarter and a quarter of a million dollars later, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. I, I do have to, you know, work at it. Um, you know, my, my social media presence is decent but not... Um, not viral by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, I have to, you know, go back to my salesmanship skills that I learned while I was a stockbroker for, you know, 13 years and and tap into that a little bit. So you bit. went from stockbroking to being an independent artist. That's yeah. quite the transition. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's funny that I teach art because people are like, well, what art school did you go to? Uh, I didn't. You know, I'm all, almost all self-taught. Um, I didn't consider art to be a viable career path. I, I ended up uh, um, going to University of Colorado up in Boulder and studied accounting, believe it or not. But art has always been, and specifically comics, has always been a passion of mine. So while I was up there, I was doing editorial and comic strips uh, for the campus press. And I did, actually did an internship out in New York as an art director for an ad agency. Um, and then I graduated and became a stockbroker, naturally. So. <laughs> why, why leave the stockbroking world? Just didn't like it anymore? Um, well, the funny thing is I, I didn't dislike it. I, I was actually doing well in spite of the fact that I'm a horrible salesperson in the stockbrokerage industry. <laughs> but, you know, you find when you, you're forced to sell stuff that you've got no personal connection to when you actually have to be out in the the world and selling something that you definitely have a personal connection to, i.e. my artwork, um, it, it helps a lot. It really does. And, and plus, you know, it's a highly litigious industry. So I learned a lot about contract law. And so I can, you know, produce some my own artist contract, even though, you know, lawyers probably could look at it and say, oh, that's, you know, totally not watertight. But, uh, you know, when, unless I'm dealing with a, a contract that's like a $50,000 contract, you know, as long as, as uh, um, you know, I know that my, the client and I are on the same page, I've, number one, yet to get stiffed on a job, which 
ask any artists out there, I haven't met one that hasn't gotten stiffed on I was about job. to say, yeah, you're the first one I've met that, that can and, make that claim. And I've never um, had a, a client that was mad at me about anything, you know. I've, I've had miscommunications with clients, but because it was all spelled out in contract, they, you know, they paid me for any additional work I had to do. <laughs> so do you do character character uh if i could talk today do you do them only live when you can see the person no, or no, people no. send you pictures oh too? no no people send me pictures i've i've done caricatures for um logos and uh i did a uh um, a vehicle wrap for a food truck as well that was caricatures of the the company founders as well as the the business partners and things like that so so as an independent artist, what is a, a day like for you? I mean, you get up 6 in the morning and start drawing? Do you, is uh, marketing in the morning, drawing yeah. in the afternoon? <laughs> I get I get up at 6 in the morning. You're right. Okay. Um, but most of that is for getting my son to school. And then um, for preventative health care matters, since um, I've had chronic back problems since I started uh, drawing full-time, because that's all I do when I draw sit <laughs> is uh, I, I normally work out or run in the morning after I drop them off every other day and then uh, and then I'll work um, and lately I've actually been following what I should have been doing all along which is the 80-20 rule 80% of my time should be spent actually on the business side of things 20% on the actual creation because it used to be 95 5 95% of the time I was drawing creating writing and 5% doing the business side of things which is why it seemed like nothing was ever growing I couldn't catch up with anything but I also wasn't really focused on a particular project that I had a clear um, promotional path with until the children's book and a lot of that has to do with um because I joined the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators and learned a lot about the industry. And that's why it took me about two and a half years to actually produce the book, even though I'd written the book in an hour. <laughs> that, I'm still very impressed by that, that you could write a book in an hour. I can't do anything in an hour. <laughs> and, you know, not to say I didn't change anything, but it's pretty intact. I mean, I tweaked a little bit of the rhyme and meter uh, you know, because I joined a couple of critique groups through the uh, Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, which helped me a lot. It, it helped me with a lot of the perspective of the children's book industry. I actually went and jumped through all the hoops of actually submitting my book to different trade publishers just to see what the pro process was like. I expected to get rejection letters from all of them, which I did. But the thing I didn't expect to get from them was detailed, customized critiques from each of these editors and i'm like wow they they actually took time out of their day to actually write something for me which doesn't happen i mean almost everyone else in the children's book industry that talked to me are like oh you didn't just get a, a form letter or they didn't just ignore you and not you know sent and sent you nothing i'm like no i mean i think all but two or three of the publishers I submitted to actually sent me very detailed, kind letters telling me, you know, what I should do if I want to make this publisherable in their house. And then I didn't do it and I self-published it anyway. But I mean, the thing is I'd been taking a, a dummy manuscript of this book around to 
conventions that I've been traveling to. And so when I was drawing zombies, people, I, you know, they could sit there with a book in their hands and read the book. And, you know, time and time again, people were like, how do I buy this? I'm like, you can't buy it yet. Didn't you even realize that all but three of these pages were in black and white instead of color? <laughs> they didn't even realize it, you know, which I guess speaks well for how my what I consider to be really crude sketches, you know, still look like finished artwork to people. And uh, so I, I knew I could sell the book. Where's the best place that our listeners can find your stuff? I mean, obviously, if you guys are in the Springs area today, you can come down to CosmicCon. I know a lot of people that listen to BitFace and that listen to the live stream aren't here, though. So where plug yourself. Where um, can they find So my you? website is stanyan.me, S-T-A-N-Y-A-N dot M-E, because some jerk already stuck, took stanyan.com a long, long time ago. <laughs> I think it's actually someone that, that probably um, is in San Francisco because there's Stan Yan Street out there. Okay. And I, which I, I took my picture underneath that sign back when I went to the Alternative Press Expo, Expo 10 years ago. <laughs> but uh, Nice. But yeah, stanyan.me. Um, I do encourage you, I mean, even though you won't get a signed copy of my book, if you aren't anywhere near Colorado to, you know, help me out, purchase my book on, on Amazon, because that'll help bump me up their, you know, rankings and things like that. We've got a lot of listeners with kids that I think would love yeah. your book. Yeah. And if, if you happen to run into me later, then you can, you know, have me sign the book. I know I make less if you, you buy it from me from Amazon, but it'll help just spread the word because then if it bumps me up their algorithm, then it'll allow uh, you know more people to know about it on Amazon that haven't heard this podcast or any of the other media or that don't know me personally. You know? And I'd, ha I'd have no problem again doing yeah. a review for you. Just <laughs> thanks for taking the time to sit down with, with us today. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, this is the first con we've ever done. So technically, you're oh, the great. first con guest BitFace oh. has ever had. So you're making a little bit of BitFace history today. Yeah, sweet. Um, you know, I'm glad I could pop your cherry. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. I think we're going to take five. Yeah, five, and then we have uh, Stephanie Hertel from Yokaze Cosplay coming on. Okay, All right, fantastic. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming by to, to talk to Appreciate us today. And, and, and you guys, check out. Tyler will have links up all day long. We'll also be putting links up when this episode goes up in edited form. But, uh, but yeah, Stan Yen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you Thanks very so much. much.